everybody and welcome to some interseason goodness from your boys at Sequelizers. As always, I am your host, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Mr. Matthew Stockton. Hi. Wow, that was a that was a bold intro, Matt. Interseason content, and also I felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like you could have done some quotes there, but you chose not to. I I, I respect that. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> And of course, also joining us, as always, is Tim Matum. You sound like you're from London. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, Tim made it into his film, damn it. <laughs> in, in a like, we're all kind of from London. I mean, I was born in Norwich, but my, both of my parents' families are from London, and you two are from London as well, right? So. Mm. Yes. In a way, there we're all from London, yeah. <laughs> even those who aren't. In, in, the, in, in that we're all, like, born in Africa, but British people were all born in London, and then, like, <laughs> Yeah, we, we evolved from cockneys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why on that uh, evolution, you know, the picture of the kind of the man ascending from the eight. If you look at the picture before, you know, Homo sapien, the guy's uh, got a packet of jelly deals. There you go. <laughs> he he's got his elbows out like his own. Have a banana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a cockney wall. <laughs> Holy queen and queen. <laughs> Well, in this episode, unfortunately, it's not a Cockney-themed episode as much as I'd like to do one. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to we'll have to do the best Cockney films <laughs> sometime, sometime in the future. Mary Poppins, a, Bob. Fuck off. Mary Poppins and Guy Ritchie movies exclusively, and we'll be, we'll be fine. <laughs> All right, but we're going to have to have words, I'm afraid. <laughs> finest accent, Dick Van Dyke, winner. Oh. Sequelizers Award for Finest Accent. <laughs> Considering the uh, the nature of what we're about to talk about, you're giving me stress and agitated guys. <laughs> well, we'll cheat. How about we cheer you up, Matt? Because in this episode, we're talking about feel good films. How about true? We, it, Thank it's going to be a nice positive message because I know we often kind of stick with the negative stuff because we talk about so many shit films, and you know, it's nice to talk about some good stuff. Nice to talk about some positive stuff for once. It makes a big difference. You, you, even the most cynical, hardened of individuals needs a bit of a moment where you go, ah, I need to, I need to just feel something that isn't rage all the time. Um, I feel, and that's I feel like go and watch Son of the Mask. Especially coming off a season of prequels, uh, oh, we God. definitely need yeah. a little bit of positivity. We need a boost. We need a boost. We do. Um, it, it is an interesting definition, though, because much like all classification, we've mentioned this in the past. Classification at the end of the day is much like anything with marketing, etc. It's a way to sell you something. Um, it's like, oh, this is a comedy. It's like, ah, I like comedy because that's a word I know. Um, it's like, <laughs> but then you can put two I do different enjoy comedies. The funny is, <laughs> yeah, they make me laugh. And then you say, what's a comedy film? Oh, it's a Kaufman movie, or alternatively, it's an Adam Sandler movie. Those mm. two comedies are very different. Yeah, um, it, it, it's all very subjective. So it's it's very difficult to say what is a broad generalizing statement for like say comedy or genre but now it's even more tricky when you talk about something like i mean a feel-good movie is kind of just a phrase maybe it's obviously in everyday life but it's a phrasing in general of a type of film it's, oh, it's a feel-good film you know that kind of i mean if you, usually if you're talking to someone what do you want to watch of a movie i don't know saying uh, kind of kind of a 
feel good movie. I don't know if I, <laughs> like, right. Again, what makes me feel good and what makes you feel good would be probably very, very different, possibly. So you, you had an example of this with your wife, not, yes. not to put you on the spot too much here, Matt, but <gasps> you watched the film Lady Macbeth, I believe, not too long ago. Because <laughs> uh, uh, your wife was like, oh, yeah, I, I can have whatever. I think she'd had like a rough day at work or whatever it was. Yes, was like, oh, yes, yeah, was. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just cheer up and let's watch a film together. It's like, that's a nice thing for a couple to do. We'll bond, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Oh, there's, there's trauma and rape and horrible, terrible things in this film. This is, Shooting this a horse is not in the a, face. This is, yeah, exactly. Horse death. That's exactly what you want in your fucking feel-good <laughs> movie. To, to give a bit of just a very brief uh, overview, uh, Lady Macbeth, 88% Rotten Tomatoes, critically acclaimed, really fucking good. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not disputing that it's a good film. <laughs> I'm just disputing that it's a feel-good film. Yeah. Well, uh, well it's that episode where we're a bit down. We should watch something a bit, make us feel a bit better. I said, okay, you haven't seen Lady Macbeth yet, have you? It's got Florence Pugh in it, straight by um, William Aldroyd. What's oh, not yeah, to yeah. like? Yeah. She said, what's it about? I said, ah, oh, the past. Because <laughs> <laughs> nothing it's, went wrong in the past, right, guys? Yeah. It's, it's a very Thomas Hardy-style book. And by, um, it's based on the book, obviously, and it's translated to, to a movie. But, uh, when I say Thomas Hardy, I doesn't mean I don't mean. Oh, no, not, not, not Tom Hardy. <laughs> no, the author Thomas Hardy, very, very Dickensian, but the countryside basically. Everything's miserable as fuck, and it is grim, but it's really, really goddamn good. And I said, "Why are we watching this to feel better?" And I said, "Because I'm not her, and therefore I feel better. <laughs> My situation is. I, it puts a perspective on things where I can go. Yes, things are pretty meh and shitty in the world, and I'm a bit frustrated with certain bits and pieces, but I'm not her." And even then, things work out pretty well. Or not even her pursuing, like, the main character. Other characters in the movie. You know, yeah, things are pretty bad. But it's not, you know, um, 1800s England. And I'm married in a loveless marriage with this douchebag in the north. Ugh, brilliant. Um, so, yeah, perspective it is everything. And especially when if you, as we'll get on to today, try and tell someone your feel-good movie because almost mm. always when you do that it tends to be on the back of like a recommendation say like, oh what's a really good film oh you should watch this now the general public are usually quite good at this without being incredibly insulting i'm about to insult them um <laughs> because they don't tend to absorb a lot of things and they tend to be at a very surface level oh i really like that film it had 10 million explosions Cool. What was the story about? I don't care. So I really like that film. He kissed the girl. Brilliant. But yeah, we're going to get into a bit more depth about films that make us feel good because we felt good watching at the time because yeah. of who we were with or what we were doing, or alternatively because it was manufactured to make people feel good. Mm. Yeah, there's there's kind of a whole realm of definitions here whether you mm. go with something that you have really good associations with perhaps because of like the situation you were in when you were watching it is it something that no matter what mood you're in it will make you literally feel good like you you will <laughs> feel better for having watched it yeah is it something that is like does a film have to be deliberately built to evoke positive emotions in order to be classified as a feel-good film for example you know a kind of an extreme example but lady macbeth you know you, <laughs> you ended up feeling better but i doubt the filmmakers went into this going like yeah we got the feel-good hit of the summer here <laughs> i'm imagining the can we recut that trailer with like the feel-good hit of the summer 
you want to see a horse get shot in the face. It's like walking on sunshine, playing underneath it. Um, she's yeah. like lowly, like lonely traveling through the moors. There's dust. There's yes. like horse corpse yeah. to her left. <laughs> I'm walking on sunshine. Again, because ah. the recut trailers, you could do that quite easily. There's moments where she like, poisons her father-in-law because he's a monstrous prick but the way she Pretty does it is makes sense yeah yeah and florence pugh's direction or sorry um acting is very very amusing in the way she does it because she's almost like having this tea and she asks the the servant to take a seat no sit down i don't want to eat alone and it's like you know it sounds like a slapstick comedy is happening in the other room you could cut it so easily like um <laughs> uh was the recent one the the personal history of uh, David Copperfield kind of thing and you think oh this is very mm. silly and or more accurately The Favourite which was cut like that in the trailers and I went this isn't what I thought it was it's not it's not it's not a fun thing it's different it's like <laughs> yes embrace the different you pricks <laughs> well there's I, I mean from a going back probably about 10-15 years in, in internet history there was that version mm. of The Shining the trailer for it where it was recut yes. to look like a kind of family yes. comedy about you know uh uh, getting frustrated because yeah. he's, he's just just trying to write a book yeah and sort of uh <laughs> learning to be a better dad kind of thing um, yeah but uh <laughs> but yeah and i think i think there's a certain amount of kind of wisdom of crowds like you say where the if if you were to make a try and make a list of feel-good movies you would aim to please as many people as possible so you would you would mm. pick films that are designed to make you feel good and probably had that intended reaction with most people mm. but obviously when it gets down to picking your own actual individual feel-good movies there's there's a whole realm of mm. factors to consider i'm also going to make a very very bold statement which is going to be horrible um oh good just what yeah, we well, want for feel-good movies hey, Fucking, again you're after a swing and start here man. i Jesus really am Christ. don't worry I'll, I'll course correct in a minute mm. there's also the nature of the fact that a film's story evolves and the narrative is different. So some, I think I'm going to have two really str strange examples here. So some people will say that Titanic is a really good film, a good film, even though a lot of Titanic Everyone is tragic. Dies. Yeah. yeah. And here's another really, really, really extreme example. You could have two vastly opposed individuals. Um, let's take, for example, a neo-Nazi and somebody of Jewish descent who has a, of a Holocaust survivor's descent, and they watch Schindler's List. The neo-Nazi were like, yeah, brilliant, I'm really enjoying this film because I'm seeing all the Jews die horribly. It's like, this is a monstrous thing to think, obviously. But on the other side of it, you could say by the end of the movie, with seeing so many lives saved, it's such a moving experience, for someone who's, you know, uh, a descendant of those atrocities could say, this does kind of make me feel good because there were good people and this and, and especially because the, the shots at the end with the with the contemporary people at the time, the survivors, th there are ways to look at these things. I know it's a very, very strange example, but the notion of feeling good about something is a purely selfish drive and can come from all kinds of inspir inspiration. And but the story itself isn't usually in any form constant from start to end everything is good it's obviously because the story would be fucking tedious unless it's like a you know for very like very small children kind of thing and even then there's yeah, usually sure. a conflict of sorts um i get I, another classic is disney and pixar especially oh i love this movie it's a great film good film really because in the first three minutes his mum dies that kind of situation you know and that's you know insert disney movie here kind of yeah thing. exactly yeah it, it is a very 
strange thing because again, it's not like classification. We're not talking about what structurally, like we do with most sequelized episodes, what makes a film good? Um, you know, it has all these properties that are firing on all cylinders. These things could be better. These could be improved. This is uh, turbulent because of the production, etc. But a feeling is the most personal thing you have. Obviously, a, a group of people will have a shared experience, obviously, but that doesn't guarantee you will feel good about it. Yeah, it's it's an emotional, personal reaction. Um, and I think that, like you said, there's... there's um, to a lot of feel-good movies, there's an element of, like, kind of almost uh, bittersweet or, or catharsis to them. Mm. You take something like... Uh, Shawshank Redemption, which is held up as a uh, both a great film and a Precisely. kind of you know I'm sure would to, you know feature on a lot of lists of like feel good movies because it ends I'm, on a very triumphant note. But and we'll get into some of those lists later on as yeah, well. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. like there's a lot of horrible shit that happens in that film, but because mm. because of the way it ends, you there's, know, a, there's a mile of horrible shit in that. Film. Quite, yeah, <laughs> quite literally. You know, similarly, like someone could you know, uh, especially I'd imagine if you've been to prison could be like i never want to watch that fucking movie again because you know the, all, all the <laughs> stuff you have to suffer through to get to the good feeling at the mm. end um it's such a personal thing which which is also the nature of peaks and troughs of just the emotional experience the uh, the notion that you plateau through life and you are therefore without um positive or negative experience therefore you are in theory an individual of of what one could argue uh constant happiness to a degree but then there's also the argument, which is a bit of a philosophical point of if you don't know the highs and the lows, how can you separate them? If you don't know what it's like to be on the lowest low, how can you appreciate the highest high? And some people are like, you know what? I'm OK with not knowing that. I, I had a conversation at, um, at a party of Tim's years ago. With, it was it was it was what I like to con consider the clash of, of uh, the scientist and the artist. <laughs> And the scientist, she basically just said, oh, no, I, I've never really had like these things that you guys talk about with like, well, what, like story. I don't really re relate to stories like that because I've never had things go really, really bad for me. And they've never been really, really that good. And I'm like, that's horrible. I wouldn't want to live like that. I said, well, yeah, but if things are like not that great, I'll just have a bit of chocolate and I'm fine or I'll just go for a run and I'm OK. And I'm like, the fuck is wrong with you? Um, but then I'm like. <laughs> Isn't that actually much, much better to live sometimes? And this is literally just, you know, discourse between an AI and an and overly emotional person who's convincing themselves they're much happier, even though they've mm. been excruciatingly miserable at times. And that's, again, the, the nature of film. You, you need that, that low point, something bad to happen to highlight that something good is happening, in theory. But there are examples of individual films where they're like, actually, it's all good all the time. And that's fine. Very rare yeah. that they work, but yeah. Yeah, I kind of relate to that in a lot of ways because I often find it difficult to emotionally relate to films for whatever reason. Like, and they Fucking don't offer scientists. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a, a bit too analytical, a bit too logical, a bit too robotic, and you know, like I just don't. I don't know. Emotions aren't a strong factor for me when watching a film. I, I'm I'm often watching it from a, like a whether it's a critical factor or not whether i'm just kind of switching off and watching something or whether i'm mm -hmm. like you know analyzing it for synchronizers or whatever it doesn't really matter but sure i don't really emotionally react to a lot of things unless as the listeners and you guys know i'm shouting and screaming and <laughs> why is this so fucking terrible and all that kind of stuff jack's, jack's primary emotion is rage pretty much <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's like the if you've experienced an emotion from me it's probably anger <laughs> 
like directed towards a terrible film <laughs> or, or a bit where the video game didn't go how I wanted it to go and he didn't jump when I told him to jump. Or whatever. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. But there are, obviously, I... I I'm gonna make, I'm basically, I feel like I'm gonna, human. <laughs> I'm going to make myself sound like a like an alien, basically. There's like an emotional alien where, like, I understand moments where I should be crying and stuff like that. But I'm like, I see what you're doing here. I'm I'm not I'm not falling for that shit. You know what mm. I mean? Like a lot of those times, like, oh, Bambi's mum's dead. Like, yeah, mm. they, they sh- she sure is. That that poor cartoon deer that <laughs> is a cartoon deer like i find it very yeah. difficult to kind of especially in like animation and stuff i find it very mm. difficult to like really really get absorbed and lost into the emotional side of things whereas I, I i love so many pixar films and things like that but it's usually not the emotional resonance to me so and when you said yeah, yeah when you said feel good movies to me and i think that this is kind of a, a big topic we talked about before we even started coming up with lists and discussing this episode and like the the pre-show discussion i was like what do you mean by a feel-good movie (laughs) because i don't sit sit around and be like oh i'm having such a great time with this that's not really a thing that i do what are feelings how can they be uh, good i mean we call this void comp for short and uh, we're gonna expose you as a blade runner (laughs) runner. for me like a feel-good movie and we'll get onto it because we've got a couple of personal picks of our own we'll get onto later it's like a film I've seen loads of times before and I can just have on and kind of not worry about it mm. and and that kind of thing. Like, I'm not sat there actively watching it and really like I critically analyze it and I can kind of switch off for a bit. For me, that's part of what makes a feel-good film is that I can just kind of, oh, it's just nice and easy and, you know, not not too much to worry about and all this kind of stuff. I, would, I wouldn't sit there and be like, all right, I'm going to watch this brand new... I always use him as an example. Denis Villeneuve or Alex Garland or sure, something like sure. some cerebral thing I need to be really paying attention to. But like, yeah, I'm going to watch Annihilation for the first time just to see how good I feel. <laughs> like, <laughs> definitely not. But how, out of just curiosity, because I know you've mentioned before about very much being um, a, a fan of how video games tell <laughs> stories, for example. Mm, yes. Would you say you've been emotionally invested in video games because you have more control over it and more agency? Yes, I yeah, feel I'm yeah. more invested. So, I very recently, a couple of days ago, I promise no spoilers. Don't worry. Finished The Last of Us Two. I saw you and Scarrett. Yeah, jizzing over each me other. Me and John. Yeah, well, <laughs> John was jizzing and I and I joined in and and you gave him a helping hand. I, I further <laughs> soggied that biscuit, as it were. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it. Spoiler alert for my opinion. I think it's a masterpiece, but. Fair. It's an incredibly emotionally taxing journey for the characters mm. in that. Surprise, surprise, The Last of Us features emotional journeys for characters. <laughs> That's not a fucking spoiler. But there's a lot of like, who's right, who's wrong, who's good, who's bad, all that kind of stuff. And all that. Sure. Like, there's no moral objectivism in that game. There is like, everybody's kind of a terrible person. It's the end of the world anyway. Does any of this matter? That kind of stuff. It's all shades of grey. Yeah, and then you watch something like The Road, and I'm like, oh god, this is this is the most bleak thing I've ever experienced in my <laughs> life, and and it evokes similar emotions and things like that. But I could, and I, I don't have to be. I'm like, after finishing The Last of Us Two, I've just been playing like arcade games and stuff, ever since <laughs> and just chilling out. I've been playing Fall Guys and stuff, which is mm. this silly, ridiculous thing, and that's. I guess that's kind of the equivalent for me. That's what I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is that that's the Pixar game, is I will go and play a fucking cartoony, silly platformer yeah. or whatever and just, like, kind of not think about, oh, God, do I press the button to shoot the 
baby or whatever. It's like this really dark <laughs> moment. I'm like, not a spoiler. I made that up. No, I get, I get, I get it. But like, yeah, I'm, 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 pull, I'm pulling yeah. the trigger on this thing, and that's a invest emotional investment for me. As I feel like at the what little emotional investment I have in general, I have completely spent that on The Last of Us 2. And now I'm like, mm. yeah, I just need to, I need pretty colors and just jumping around for a bit. <laughs> Whatever art you're absorbing, you need a palette cleanser. And you just can't have the same thing over and over and over. Obviously, by design, of course you can. You can have a Spotify playlist that is just nothing but the same effective song over and over and over. But an album or a art gallery or something you don't have control over, like a, a, a live set, by a band, for example, that is in the order it is handed to you. So, for example, you have, if you take just a, a CD compilation, what's a compilation, sorry, just a regular album, you have, right, okay, we're going to have this kind of song, then this kind of song, then we'll have a slower song, then we have a big number that's really sort of like up to the BPM kind of thing. And you have all different variety as dictated by, by the group or the band or the artist or whoever it's going to be. When you walk into a gallery, you don't have usually all the same things all together because you have to kind of have a palate cleanse. You have to go through this. The difference is with films, people don't tend to set out films. Unless you go to a festival of or, or a matinee of sorts that's linking these things together or you're doing your own like, you know, oh, we'll watch these films back to back like a marathon. It's like, okay, I've just watched this movie. What do I watch the following night or the next movie along? Well, however you do film absorbing yourself. Mm. Um it's like, well, I don't want to watch the exact same thing again, or maybe I do, that kind of thing. I was like, oh, I'm going to do like a Kung Fu marathon and watch three Kung Fu films in a row. But even with that, what kind, from what country, what feel, how, what's the aesthetic? So, and, Unless you've literally got a series of films or a trilogy or however you want to put it, yeah. that, is, that is built with that specific pacing in mind. Mm. And like, one of the weird, this is going to sound really weird and I'm going to sound even more like, on the autistic spectrum than I already do to so some <laughs> listeners, probably I'm sure I'm, I'm sure people are freaked out by my lack of emotional response <laughs> to things, but Lord of the Rings is one of the few films that has made me actually cry. Like That's whilst normal. watching That's it. I know, but like, I don't cry at basically anything else, but it's fucking Lord of the Rings. Like, all right, you fucking nerd. That's the oh, one yeah, thing yeah. that makes you cry. I, but, I mean, if you cry at something like what happened, uh, and it's like, Oh, well it was this moment. That's not something to cry about. Mm. No, you don't understand. It was, it was, Leave me alone. <laughs> but he's a like, treat, and he's also a person. <laughs> he's lost his wife. Actually, no, he's lost his wife is a relatable thing. Fuck. He's a tree, and there's some hobbits running around his area. He's annoyed. Yeah. That would be why are you crying. He mistake the hobbits for orcs. <laughs> um, yeah. So having that kind of journey, and the fact that they were obviously it's from the books and that's planned yes, as a trilogy. You've got, a connection to it. you've got the connection there. You've got the fact they're all filmed at the same time. So they're mm, obviously, mm. there's a conscious idea of pacing going into it and all that kind of stuff, but they have their <coughs> peaks and they have their troughs and stuff like that. And in a 90 minute to two hour film, you often don't get enough time to go through that full spectrum of, mm. you know, ups, downs, ups, downs, ups, downs. You'll get one up, one down or a couple of ups and a couple of downs and things like that. Yeah. And then go through that. But like feel good films, I totally understand. You mentioned Pixar, Matt. Like Pixar is the perfect example of just mm. like they're so enjoyable. They're so like they get awesome. sad, but then they get happy again, and then they get sad again. And it's kind it's of- based on the Disney formula of I want 
cartoons to be a legitimate thing and I don't want people to just go ah ha, ha, it's funny which is what they did at the time mm. I want them to feel scared which is when the windmill thing came from and I want them to cry which is where Sleeping Beauty uh, sorry uh, Snow White came from and that's kind of the point it's emotional manipulation to prove a point and I know that's not the complete and origin <laughs> of all cartoons but at the end of the day that's Disney and that's one of the most powerful explain the history of Disney in like seven words <laughs> effectively <laughs> I want people to cry um, <laughs> now we got them by the balls um, but the truth is if you stop a Disney movie at certain points it's like oh this is pretty bad everything's really sad it's like yeah but don't worry happily ever after it will mm. end on a high note which I always had a problem with as a kid I was like sounds very boring because it's, it's, it's a film it's always said it should arguably be and obviously there's example um, there's obviously exceptions to the rule, but a film should arguably be the most exciting time in that character's life. Unless you're being subversive and was like, no, 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 this is the aftertimes or whatever like that. But uh, because of that, you want to see the best and cool stuff. You don't want to be referring to it later. And I think that's interesting, sort of talking about how Disney films, you know, were, were created with the intention of, you know, evoking very specific emotions. And obviously there's always intention behind a film. There's there's a wealth of intentions behind a film. The, you know, the director, the writer, the actors, the, you know, cinematographer are all looking to evoke a response. But I think there's mm. also, there are certain types of films that are pushing really hard to uh, evoke certain emotions. And in some people that can even lead to the opposite stuff where people are like, I don't like feeling like I'm being pushed to feel like really I mean, sad. And then, I don't like feeling. And then, you know, uh, I think, you know, uh, sort of certain types of, you know, melodrama or, or whatever you want to term it can really turn people off and can have the opposite effect to intended. I, I, I experienced that for sure. Yeah. I can go into a fucking rom-com and just be like, oh God, yeah, I know what you're trying to do here, but fuck off. Do you off. mean when we all saw Last Christmas together? Well, that, <laughs> yes, exactly. Shit like that. That's this real kind of, Everything's super clean cut and happy. And man manufactures mm. is a good word for it. Yeah, like you said, Tim, where you're aiming, they're like, oh, yeah, we really want to get this emotional response from the audience. And you're like seeing the matrix of like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But no. <laughs> and I think a lot of that comes down to just how good the film is at the end of the day, because it's about you would hope that a in a good film, you you stop thinking about the intentions of the filmmaker and you just accept the reality of the film and if you're yes, thinking yes. oh they did like you know and 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 it can be even things like music cues i think do it a lot <laughs> where like yeah. a certain song comes on under a scene and 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 that can be enough to jerk you out of it and be like oh they want me to feel like this during this scene how they're like uh, and it, especially if it's something particularly like on the nose it can be like oh okay i see what you're doing here and and that sets you up to have the opposite reaction. Yeah, it's it's the nature of... I mean, we talked about at the very start of this about it's not a structural thing, it's not a, a quantifiable thing, but it can be because if you're too heavy-handed with it, you suddenly see what you're doing and it's very manipulative and you think... Some people go, but I'm okay with that and some people reject it immediately. And at the same time, there's also the nature of experience. Um, as a teenager, there are things I was watching, I'm going, oh, fuck you, I see what you're doing. I don't give a shit, mate. And then I get older and have more life experience and I go, actually, no, this is cutting me in a different way. In the same way that I don't have a child at present, I imagine that I know, you know I can, of. I, I uh, yeah, I'm fairly confident. Okay. Um, the nature of I can empathise with something like Sophie's Choice and watching go, ah, oh, this is brutal. I can understand mm. it because the acting is so fucking good. The writing is good. Everything about it's making me 
it's manipulating me to feel something, but that's also the nature of storytelling. You're being, you know, the storyteller saying, I want you to feel this way so we can understand what the person's going through. It's empathy at the end of the day. But then the thing is, the more you go through it, the more you, you add to it. So for example, strange example, maybe. Homeward Bound, both versions. Not the sequel though. Uh, a live action... We'll, we'll get to that bastard. <laughs> story of two dogs and a cat. A uh, family moves away. Dogs and cat try to find the family go through America. And it's, it's quite traumatizing. If you like animals, if you don't like animals, who gives a fuck? So at the time, uh, when I was a little kid, like maybe like five or six, I was kind of scared of dogs. Neighbor had a Doberman, it scared the shit out of me. Never liked dogs really too much at all. But I liked cats because I had a cat. So I was terrified for this cat drowning. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was very worried. I watched the film again at a slightly older age, about... 13 when we did a dog and I was much over my fear of, uh, phobia of dogs and I was much happier with them and suddenly the things that happened to dogs were like no 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 leave don't not, not the bear go away just and it, you 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 again it's 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 entirely manufactured it's entirely manipulative forcing empathy but again and I can't stress this enough that's art yeah. art is always trying to manipulate you in some way it's it's a it's a, it's like, a form of psychological we often marketing. describe the worst sequels are the ones that you go eh. Yeah, because at least like especially with the the format of this show, a terrible sequel we can talk about for a very long time, mm. and you will you will want to talk to like we bring up Son of the Mask every couple of episodes because <laughs> it is that bad. Yes. Whereas if you just get something that's like a four out of ten or a five out of ten, you're like, oh, it's just it's just mediocre. It's eh, meh. Yeah, I don't I don't know. There's nothing good, nothing bad. It's just, it just doesn't do anything, no. you know. And, Whereas and having response is sometimes worse yeah. than yeah. It's forgettable. Yeah, exactly. I want I want those extremes. You want to kind of like either love it or hate it, mm. kind of thing. That's why you and, seek out stories in the first place, usually to 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 feel something. And even like your bedtime stories as a child, you're supposed to learn effectively they've got some sort of twisted moral. For, for Britain, it's always a strange colonial Victorian moral, but you know, whatever. I'm trying to teach you about like people dying in plagues and how some uh, military campaign didn't go down too well. It's like, thank you, Humpty Dumpty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is about a cannon or some shit. Mm. Um, we probably should discuss, however, before we get to ourselves, the general public. Now, Coincidentally, I mean, um, we're now in August, but at, on the 31st of July, uh, Fandango, big American company with regards to films and uh, uh, distribution of films in terms of like cinema sort of stuff, did a little little poll, a little thing on their YouTube page, I think on their maybe Twitter as well. And it was basically, what's a feel-good film for you? And I thought, this is extremely well-timed. <laughs> I'm going to run through the comments and just highlight some of them. And I tried to get things that had multiple entries, obviously, because there will always be things of like, oh, my favorite feel-good film is this, because my dad watched it with me when I was young. It's like, what was the film? The Shining. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this is the first film I, 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 I love Predator. Why? I got a hand job. It's like, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded a bit too personal there, man. That was a bit too quick. My you dad doesn't that, like you the shining, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. But that's kind of the thing, you, you do a, a, a personal association. So I tried to get things on there that had appeared like three or four times, and even then I was like, there is a formula, which I can summarize as blockbusters, music, and sports. <laughs> so should we, Who should doesn't we, like those things? Yeah, should we, should we whip through some of these just to, sure. to give people some examples of what the public would say? If you're, again, if we ask you now, listener, what's a feel-good film that makes you feel good, there will be 
probably a panic in your brain as there always would be and then you're uh uh and then name like your favorite disney film and then go and and die hard because i asked a friend recently he said oh yeah spirit away and die hard i guess i was like huh i mean it ends on a happily ever after i guess so there's four more of those motherfuckers coming and you know it oh god so yeah should we take should we take one each and just whip through our, sure. our rough opinions of them well let's start things off with what instantly I feel is a weird choice, but I, I, I kind of get it. Deadpool, of all the yeah. fucking movies. That is such a weird choice. I, I, yeah, I cannot understand. Like, not, like, I, I don't like Deadpool. I, I, I bounced off Deadpool too. Sure, but sure. to me, that is much more of like a feel-good film in its intentions, I guess, because, mm. like, it's... To it's me, got the like here, that's got the kind of like yeah, that's miserable. It's it's about redemption and stuff like that. Whereas like mm. Deadpool two, uh, Deadpool the original is just kind of like, I mean, yes, there's there's a kind of tragedy at the core of it. Of you know, mm. he gets um, cancer. He, he gets cancer and he gets he gets separated from Vanessa and stuff like that. Yes, and he's trying yes. to, but. I I really struggled like uh, like I saw that on the list and I was like, what are the points of that where people are like, yes, I feel good about that. Is it just that they like Ryan Reynolds? Y- yes. So my my theory is, and there's one thing mm. you missed off here, Matt, with your blockbuster musical type things. How dare you? Comedy. That's that's exactly it. Yeah. This film, if you really fucking boil it down to just the most like typical genre definition, it's action comedy, and people yeah. fucking love action comedies because that's the kind of shit you can just switch your brain off to and just like, oh, it's Ryan Reynolds being funny and lots of explosions. Like, I you know he burns alive and he has cancer, right? Lots of explosions, yeah. yay! <laughs> he's he's in one of those explosions, you know, right? Yeah, whatever. Um, it, I I think I, I can completely understand it if you frame the audience who've said it and this is a generalization Mm. but fuck it if you're a teenage millennial dudes who like 90s comics (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's 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 the fact that it's irreverence it's i get to say and do whatever the fuck i want escapism to the full wish fulfillment degree and like he's like he doesn't give a fuck about anything he can swear and he does things and he's a oh, sex now yeah, it's cool. yeah. and it's literally why does it make you feel good it makes you feel good because he's literally doing everything i think i would like to do when i was 15 because he's cool yeah and it makes people relax because of it and it was surprisingly well made etc 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 so i think the reason that's a focus film for a lot of people might be that it's like as jack said it's an action comedy i can turn it on watch it be entertained it's funny it's silly it's irreverent it's really quotable i think die hard falls in that die hard Mm. is far less of a comedy but there are so many amazing quotes there's like alan rickman is one of the all-time great like Mm. film villains just from Mm. the the brief but relative brief but of screen time he gets in that hans gruber is so quotable john mcclane is so quotable deadpool is so quotable Mm. like you get so many funny little back and forth moments and that kind of thing and Taking that like rather like a really dour comedy, I don't know. Take something. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty, for example. Oh yeah, which yeah. is not a fucking feel good film, no. but it's got action. It's got guns. Unless it's you got, love it's got America, explosions, unless you <laughs> love America, which some people do, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, too much. And uh, it's kind of balancing that. Like, if you have those little quippy moments, those little jokes interspersed yes, in there, yes. you can get away with some of the more tense bits of action and things like that. Mm. But I think Deadpool is the extreme example of that, that he is doing literal dick jokes 
every 15 seconds or so yes. and you have people like tj miller showing up and being like oh my god you look like a ball sack and all this kind of thing and it's like i i, I guess i get it and I, yeah. I do i do feel like were the people who were polled in this just people around our age you know like white dudes in their 20s and 30s who fucking it's, love deadpool for some reason the internet we're the most vocal people People fucking love Deadpool for some reason. Mm. If you've ever been to a convention, like a Comic-Con <laughs> or anything, there's a million dickheads dressed as Deadpool <laughs> and they act like Deadpool. They're, they're infamous for being dickheads because yeah. they act like they're fourth wall breaking and like groping people and doing all this shit and it's mad. It's it's an excuse to it's break an excuse social to, conventions. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. De Deadpool cosplayers are kind of infamous and to the point where some cons have like banned certain people from doing it and things like that at mcm and stuff we, we for cheese mint uh we would do like cosplay bingo stuff because when we're on a table exhibiting it's a good chance to go around with the cameras like hi how are you we'd have like find a gender swap character get characters ahead of catchphrase and the easiest like center square thing was either find a harlequin or find right. a deadpool and get them to high five you or something and, and, like, that, yeah, and they are i think those two characters are two sides of the same coin basically only yeah. separated by gender they are fourth, there are fourth wall breaking quipping action characters mm. where women are like yeah i want to be cool and not give a fuck like harley quinn you don't understand the character i want to be cool and <laughs> not give a fuck like deadpool he's more tragic than you think <laughs> yay everything's fun and fine it's like yeah it's, it's the great. surface level of appreciation versus the nature mm. of things yeah mm. without something to get but then but because of the film i completely understand why it's some people go if you're just referring oh, I feel to like film. i'm struck this on it's fun yeah. it's silly it's yeah so the next one on the list i completely understand as well speaking of our serious finale from from last season oh yeah it ties into the last season of course yeah and by the way people didn't say a specific film they just said inverted commas harry potter yeah they didn't say which one <laughs> the, um, the, the concept <laughs> i think potter. that comes down to similar to jack with lord of the rings i think that comes down to escapism and mm -hmm. Uh, again, wish fulfillment and world building. Just the idea of like, this is a thing I may be familiar with as a narrative thing on, in book form, but just literally, and I like the world and I want to just absorb it for a while. I want to be a wizard. Mm. Yeah. I want to go to platform nine and three quarters. I want to magic away my own shit. <laughs> it's, it's, and <laughs> it's like escapism as it, at its kind of most fundamental level. It's, Correct, you know, yeah. I wish I could be a wizard and these films make me feel like that world is real and so yeah i could like mm. you know it, it feels closer to me and therefore that feels good kind of thing it's also and largely devoid of real world problems so well yeah yeah, yeah. Apart, I mean, from, apart from world, world war II, maybe uh well we, we don't know harry potter doesn't include fantastic beasts <laughs> maybe yeah exactly but i i also feel like the the way that lord of the rings ties into my kind of emotional reaction to it and sure. the same way that this does not to harp on the demographic thing as well but like most people were kids when they started reading or watching Harry mm -hmm. Potter or mm -hmm. both. So you have that moment of like, oh, I'm 10 again. I have no responsibilities. I can just watch, you know, Daniel Rank. I'm basically the same age as, da I've talked about this before. Mm. I'm the same age as the principal cast in Harry Potter. So I'm I'm within like a few months of Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grimm, all those guys. Jack so Chambers, background Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you nearly an extra in one, Matt? Was that you? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and you talk shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's like the 
I remember when I was 11 as well. Oh yeah, I didn't have I didn't have to worry about rent and mortgages and savings accounts and bullshit and like or that was kind of puberty stuff. and bullying and school. Oh wait, they were 10 times worse than paying <laughs> bills. Fuck that shit. No, high school's the best time of your life, isn't it, Matt? It is if you're a wizard. Oh no, wait, you have to fight wizard Hitler. 2 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> people just literally die all the time and they're like eh, yeah you know magical stuff is magical does you know how it is woodly woodly <laughs> like yeah but i can i can totally see the harry potter thing i think that, that that makes a lot of sense i imagine that there are two different types of harry potter uh, people who've put harry potter on this list there's sure. the, the people who are just big fans of that world and that universe and they just want to immerse themselves in it and then there's people who, when they think of Harry Potter, they think of the first mm, one to maybe four or five films. And they're like, <laughs> oh, but it's just like a fun romp with kids. And like, it makes me think of like Christmas because those films often feature like yeah. quite a lot of stuff yeah, at Christmas course, yeah. or, and, it, and, mm. and came out around that time of year and stuff like that. And they're not really thinking about like the ones where it just gets quite bleak and it's all about just fighting Voldemort and you know despair and stuff like that they're thinking and child soldiers uh, yeah they're thinking <laughs> they're thinking of the early days of like we just run around Hogwarts and we have adventures and stuff like that it's got a magical cloak and sorting house and there's a library you can only read certain books in Ooh. yeah yeah that's fair next on the list uh we have one that I think for some people is is uh is very much that kind of model like we said earlier of that kind of um catharsis feeling of like tragedy yes. but it ends ends on a high note which is uh little miss sunshine and when i first saw that on the list i was i was very like but that film's just full of tragedy and like <laughs> like loads of bad shit happens in that and and matt as you said uh you were like yeah but it ends with all dancing <laughs> yeah I, I i think it's it's a weird mindset where, like, when the Golden Globes started going through, I think, and they said, oh, I end up for so many things of, of writing and, and, and best picture of best comedy, The Martian. I was like, that wasn't a comedy. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and it's like, no, it I is. I feel like if something has jokes in it, it doesn't necessarily make it a comedy film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like, like I said, Mark Watney's having Die a great Hard time. is not a comedy. No, no. But no, it's no, a funny film. It. Yeah. So you got, like, Mark Watney played by Matt Damon, and he's like, yeah, but he's like, quipping and stuff and he's like he comes over adversity and, and as tim's um coined in a previous episode it's the it's the competence porn he's he's doing such a great job and then he goes he's got such a great human spirit and he comes back to earth and it's all great and it's like it's not comedy though is it i mean it's like <laughs> is it no it's not i feel like um, i not to get completely distracted i feel like the golden globes should just like fess up and just have uh that instead of like their categories being uh, drama and comedy slash musical as they are at the moment. Mm, they should mm. just be like uh, prestige and genre. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I feel well, like yeah. that's what it breaks down to at some point because they were like, well, we can't call it a drama even though like a bunch of like dramatic stuff happens in it because it's got space in it. <laughs> it's too silly. When Harry Met Sally is the next on the list, which is a film mm. I've never seen, funnily enough. It's a Gen X thing if you ask me. Yeah, I, I have also I, I feel seen like, it. I feel like this is a dirty dancing thing where mm. particular people of a particular generation think it's a fucking banger. <laughs> and you're like, mm, is it though? Like, are you sure this is a classic? It's all right, yeah. Uh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> fucking that, exactly. Like, people who watch it now in 2020 or, you know, over the last 10 years instead of the last 35 years or whatever it is, mm. are like, yeah, it's fine. 
People have this fucking absolute revelry for 80s films for some reason. And I feel like it's a similar kind of thing. It's it's, it's through nostalgia more than Mm. it actually being a thing. I think it's because, again, it's the nature of it It was the first, and that's not exactly true, obviously, but the first mainstream thing to tell a certain story. There was great chemistry. It was... uh, She has an orgasm. (laughs) Isn't that hilarious? I'll have what she's having, right? See? Famous thing. Um, But yes, it's... It's well made. And I think, okay, here's a strange parallel. Some people also think the same way. Whenever I hear certain people quoting Harry when Harry met Sally, they talk the same way about Thelma and Louise and think, what the fuck are you talking about? Why does that feel with me? Because, you know, <laughs> they, they, they stuck it to the man and they tried. It's like, spoilers, it's they the die. It's not a good ending. together. It's got a, like, yeah. a proper like Breakfast Club freeze frame, but it's not a good freeze frame. Um... It, it is it is difficult to quantify these things but yeah i think again that one comes down to association of i was a certain age i was watching a certain thing it's again another manipulative piece where it's trying to make you feel a certain type of wry late 80s early 90s comedy as it were um that kind of humor being pushed through so again with all these i get it because all i need to do is say imagine xyz said it and you go oh yeah it's broad generalizations but it's like no i, I understand and again, with a kind of rom-com thing that does kind of end with him like declaring his love and then they get <laughs> married and all this bullshit, right? Like that's, at this point, it's very cliched, but that, at that point it was like, oh yeah, this is kind of... Happy endings. It yeah. can change everything in theory. Exactly. Next number is Frozen. Which is a villain origin story, in my opinion. <laughs> that's a tale for another time. Jack's I mean, hot take. Or well, his frozen <laughs> that take, is. rather. That is, because... Um, uh, ooh, my ooh. ice cold take. Thank you, Tim. Um, I mean, it was, because it was supposed to be it was about the Snow Queen. It was about this uh, villainous character they made a, a you know, hero. Yeah. So the, the, I, d- I didn't realise until I saw the second one and kind of looked it up. Mm. It's all based on Hans Christian Andersen stuff. I was like, mm. oh, it's based on the dark stuff. Mm-hmm. It all gets real weird and creepy. And like, yeah. 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 Uh, Frozen is, is our first sort of Disney on this little list of the public. And it's just basically the most recent big, huge phenomena in terms of like Disney Pixar kind of stuff. I know I'm lumping Pixar in there with as well, but you know what I mean? You can sing along to it. The kids got, can watch it. The yeah. whole family can get together mm-hmm. and they will all be like, ah, Oh, it's pretty good yeah, yeah. it's and got a you have talking children. snowman well yeah exactly and everybody gets a little song and dance bit and there's funny bits where they say like sandwiches and stuff and everybody goes ha 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 what a <laughs> lovely time we're having <laughs> frozen's fine <laughs> it's, an, right. it's, a, it's an adequate film mm. as as matt said in his review not too long ago and now i've seen the second one i prefer the second one yeah second and one. I, I did watch them pretty much closely back to back and yeah, I get it. It's fine. It would never be my pick of Disney or Pixar films in a million years. The amount of but... downturns in that movie, you'd think, why is this someone's feel-good film? And then mm. you realise, yeah, but it ends all right. It's like, oh, is that is that all it takes? Yeah, because the they've last got three three minutes to learn to it let it go, <laughs> let it go. It's like all empowering songs and stuff and all that kind of yeah, but bullshit. She, she kind of doesn't let it go, does she? she comes oh, no, back not at all. No, she doesn't let it go at all. Yeah, and she's still in the closet. But we're told that she was, so... Yeah, she's, she actively states out loud that she's fine, therefore she's fine. That's how, that's how emotions work, right? <laughs> I'm okay! That's, like, that's my understanding think... of emotions, yeah. as we've already established. <laughs> They're only real if you say them out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie, of the ones so far where I can say, no, I get it, the next one, I genuinely fucking get it. <laughs> I, I do get this one. Blues Brothers. Yeah. We, we've covered it on the show before. We have. The first one, 
is a fucking classic. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it is. Yeah. Again, although it does have the same thing as all the other ones, it's, it's uh, you know, about an orphanage closing down, which would be a miserable sort of thing. <laughs> I, I guess in theory, loads of people die in car crashes in that film yeah. as well. Because it was the biggest what biggest car pile up in the history of cinema at the time or something until like that, the it? sequel came out uh, until the sequel. <laughs> correct no people die in that film it's only police officers oh, <laughs> blue lives don't matter <laughs> <laughs> and of course it's littered with nazis in that movie as well yeah yeah it's a strange one to quantify why it's a feel-good movie but again it's god singing and dancing and it's irreverent and it's comedy yeah. and it's like yeah. oh this it is a ticks two of the boxes musical comedy there yeah. you yeah. go <laughs> carrie fisher is a completely furious individual and she's trying to blow people up but it's funny it's like you come back to the deadpool thing it's like what's funny about this she's a woman scorned as she's trying to get revenge yeah but it's funny because she fails what's that the fat man dancing it's great yeah Although they booked a gig and it's not the kind of place they have to do. They're seeing the Rawhide theme. Hey, brilliant. It's like, what, what, how is this a comedy? And it's like, but I'm oh, sorry, I'm not a comedy, sorry. How is this a feel good movie? Mm. But it is. Yeah. And it does. Yeah, and it, it works. works. And they're criminals. Starts with prison time. <laughs> it's the end of Shawshank. <laughs> Next one on the list is a film I really, really like. Mm, I think we all do. I didn't really think of it as a feel good movie, but it, I guess it is. It's John Favreau's Chef. Mm. which is real good, real, real good. Mm. And I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily competence porn, but it's, it's along those similar kind it's of lines. Of like, it's food <laughs> porn, definitely, yeah. And again, you've got the, uh, I guess it's a comedy. There, there's lots of, like, you've got uh, John Agazamo in there and, like, you know, bouncing off each other quite mm-hmm. nicely and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I really, really like Chef, and I've, I wouldn't have thought about it, but it, it does kind of work. And, you know, spoiler alert, a new restaurant and all that kind of stuff and it's opening up and blah 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 and you get the whole the, the marriage the interplay of the the family and the marriage yeah. and all that kind of stuff and i think it's because the stakes are uh, very personally high for the characters but there's no real sense of dread or building you kind mm. of know watching that film it'll all work out okay because of the attitudes of the individuals involved and the fact that they have good food in each other and that sounds like a really cliche fucking thing to say but it's true it's like no, you kind of know throughout the whole film, this will be all right. And that makes you feel like things will be all right. It's the opposite of the Harry Potter thing where you go, don't worry, there's no real world threats here. This is like, yeah, there's real world threats, but don't worry because there's, we have these people. And if you don't have those people, we can be those people for you. And it's like, huh. And a lot of people have that connection to movies in general and TV, especially. It's like, I feel really shitty and sad. And then I'll watch a couple episodes of the West Wing and I feel really good. It's like, why? It's like, well, it's well made. Yeah, no, I, can, I know it's well made, but why do you feel good? Because I like those people. They're my friends. Mm. <laughs> They're trying to yeah. use government for good, Matt. <laughs> it's the left wing, not the west wing, and everything is perfect. He's like, you're, you're actually correct. It's working out rather well. Um, but that's, that's kind of the thing. It, it, it is a connection people make with the movie, the people, and like, oh, I like this. And people will go back to feel that again and again. Like who isn't unified by food like mm. even if you don't there are some people that don't like food yeah but some, like, some fucks i know yeah but th- this this film is so about the like br- it brings people together and all that kind of yes. stuff which is a and it's huge... constantly shot so it makes you yeah you do feel like you're actually enjoying what you see as, as we learned from my uh previous pitches i like oh. a bit of john favreau so yeah yeah fair. there you go <laughs> the next one is bullshit 
straight up fucking bullshit it's pure nostalgia and it's bullshit um i i reject this because my wife is terrified of the central title character and a, a lot of people are a lot of people are like, like a lot of people yeah i think chris broaden they brought in japan he yeah he tweeted about it like and and suddenly all the replies are just like yep me too i'm terrified by this film i don't get it I, I genuinely feel the the further you go from this movie, the less popular it is. I think anything I, fundamental. I, w- about I wonder it if is- the listeners can guess what we're talking about. By the way, because we, we've not said the title yet. We're like everybody's terrified of it, but it's a feel good movie to some people. Yeah, what could it Citizen be? Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Kane's a monster. No, no. Um, e. T. The Extraterrestrial. <laughs> Oh, the fucking thing. <laughs> His glowing fucking fingers. <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, oh it, yeah. no. Get in the bin. I, I, I didn't... I've never liked DT. I've enjoyed the craft of it. I understand why it was popular. I know it came off the back of like 1979 had Alien and the threat was huge. And then in the 80s, it was like... It was one of the things that kind of uh, killed to a degree Blade Runner and the thing it was like no they're all friends now and then Mac and me came out and don't talk about Mac and me fucking hell um, <laughs> fucking, Mac, fucking Mac and me but what, what a with, film with E.T. some people and I think it, again it's a generational thing I think it's a certain age group thing love it um, yeah, I mean, you know what I think it is apart mm. from the nostal- obvious 80s nostalgia that we already kind of mentioned yeah it's fucking Spielberg Mm. I think that's definitely a fact. Spielberg almost literally invented that type of 80s nostalgia. You've got mm. Indiana Jones, mm. you've got E.T., you got fuck. I mean, going on to the 90s, going through like, you know, Hook and Jurassic Park and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Like, Those two are close for me because of the age I was when I watched them, but I yeah. don't think either of them are technically feel-good films. A guy who can't connect with his kid and... Uh, dinosaurs eating people <laughs> i would really enjoy them jurassic park was w- w- was nearly one of my choices yeah, because same, same. it's such it's such an integral part of my childhood it was like one of the first films i think i ever consciously watched because i was really mm. into dinosaurs as a kid and my parents were like well there's a dinosaur film fuck it let's see what happens <laughs> and jack and, the and, emotionless boy is born <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why who knows and, and interesting here we've we've mentioned films that like explicitly feature music like you know blues brothers and frozen john williams scores like oh, you know yeah, you, yeah. when if you if you talk about jurassic park as a feel-good film bum, i just bum, think bum, 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 it, it, Exactly. I'm, I'm pumping my fist, listeners. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Like, no, I, I woke up. I used to like set my alarm to various different John Williams themes throughout the years, and Superman's the best. You, you feel you when you wake up to that theme, you feel like fucking Superman. And I wonder if it is often is like music gets a much stronger emotional reaction from me in, in a lot of ways as well like i can i can get goosebumps yes. i can yes. cry from music and stuff howard shaw's score in lord of the rings is going not to go mm. back onto that subject mm. too much but like that is fucking heartbreaking sometimes and there's some amazing brilliant oh, little I, yeah things feeding through that and yeah if you want to feel good go and listen to some some kick-ass john williams and you just you just get <laughs> it's a fist bump yeah emotionally hype some some Clint Mansell can do that for me for some Aronofsky stuff. All of it's traumatizing. I go, oh, I feel everything. <laughs> it's like putting your dick in a toaster. You don't. It's maybe you don't want to feel everything, but you do feel everything. Um, but with, I mean, spoilers to this list, by the way. I'm, I'm, I want to just talk about something that's absent from it for a second because I'll probably forget later. 
nobody said Star Wars. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I was very surprised by that because let's face and it, there's, lot there's no film. superhero films either, apart uh, from Deadpool. Well, Deadpool. <laughs> but I found Which that is, again, it's a weirdest choice. Yeah. yeah. Pick fucking Superman, you psychopath. <laughs> so, Tim, what's next on the list? Uh, next, we have Mamma Mia. Speaking Which of musical. It's just another Blues Brothers, isn't it? It's another yeah. big, fun, feel good. Yeah. Uh, except very brightly shot. Who doesn't like ABBA kind of thing? Yeah. 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 Hard. Yeah. It's infectious and how 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 mm-hmm. upbeat it is and the generational divide. It's just it's just it's a holiday film. It's yeah. yeah. I, I I I fully understand that one. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. I, I would imagine that is also a lot of positive associations with the way people saw it. Because I think yeah, there were a lot yeah. of people going in groups to the cinema to see that. There were a lot of people True, who yeah. then went also to things like sing along viewings. I was, I was of about it. to say they did the karaoke yeah. versions as well, didn't they? They did the same for Frozen as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, yes. so, the whole family together and all. It was the nature of like, oh, you should go see it. Tell you what, I'll go with you again. Yeah, that would be the one that would be how you get groups of people going along. Yeah. Again, not to spin off on another tangent, but I can't think of anything worse than a sing-along sing cinema experience. I agree. Be into I, it and it's like, be quiet during the movie, please. I came to hear If somebody talks, I shoot them a fucking look. The, like I said, the only time, and speaking of hype soundtracks and stuff and hype moments, the only time I've made noise, like conscious, uh, unconsciously basically, is the fuck yes moment in Avengers when Cap <laughs> catches Mjolnir. Uh, next up on the list is a film I've literally never heard of, but I looked oh. up obviously for this for this mm. thing. Uh, it, it, we're going back to your fucking sports films, everybody. It's yeah. Remember the Titans, which I thought, oh, Clash of the Titans. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck? Is there a third one I don't know about? All you need to know is that Denzel Washington gives some amazing fucking speeches. Of course he does. Yeah, of course it's, he does. It's, it's, it's about actually, American football. Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah. High school, if I remember, is it high school or college football? I can't remember now. Probably college. They Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just football. a team, and I've completely forgotten. E- either way, it's a very young Ryan Gosling. It, it's high school. I'm looking at the notes right now. Ah, good, good, good. Yeah, I thought I thought it was. Just want to make sure you says and Denzel Washington, and I think it's it's very well done. And for a lot of people, it strikes a really personal chord because, again, emotion. Americans love American football, and people love sports. And yep. Speaking of sports, our next choice. Field of Dreams. Ah, the other American sport. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Costner. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, baseball. And one of our listeners, this is his, and he, he said this a few times, his favourite of all films of all time. Mm. Yeah. And I, again... Which was probably like, do you really like baseball? He was like, yes. I was yes. like, right, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> critically, speaking, critically speaking, you have to be wrong. It's not the best constructed film. But for um, a personal connection... I think... That's it could different. be worse. You could be Stuart Main and picking <laughs> Tron Legacy as your favourite film ever. I mean, that's got all kinds of sports in it. No, Stuart. <laughs> bad Stuart. Very bad Stuart. But this is, this is kind of the thing. Field Dreams is, um, you know, classically misquoted. It's, it's again, it's, it's the nature of like, what are you looking for in your movie? Well, I'm looking for someone who's a bit listless, who's got daddy issues, who likes baseball. Oh, don't worry, we got the film for you. Bang, here it is. And that's not a a denigrating uh, negative comment. It's just like, that's what you're looking for. In the same way, like, I'm I'm kind of young and restless and a bit 
not sure what to do and I want an adventure. Bang, Star Wars, get the fuck out of my face. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there are things there for you. I feel that everything's going to shit and I, I feel like I can't do anything to solve it because I'm just one small person. Bang, Lord of the Rings. What's your problem? And, and you know, there are, there are things you can cater to people to say, I'm, I'm talking about film good movies. I'm feeling bad and I have this ailment. I have this problem. How can you fix it? Here, watch Lady Macbeth. <laughs> what, what was I supposed to feel? Gratitude too many horses? Lady Macbeth will sort you right out. So yeah, feel the dreams again. Like Remember the Titans, like Mamma Mia and Blues Brothers, I think are the clear-cut, easy ones. Like, mm. yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. I, 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 I imagine, like, I, I think instead of Field the Dreams, Remember the Titans, I would pick something like Cool Runnings. It's something that always would spring yeah. to mind. Of like, yeah, I get that. Oh, Rocky's another it, one. Yeah, yeah. But like, when it was time for like oh it's the last english lesson of the year at school what we're gonna do let's Mm. all watch a film (laughs) yay what's inoffensive and everyone's gonna be happy with it cool runnings yay do you want to know what my um end of term films were when i was in requiem for a dream no these weren't my choices they were just what everyone had to bring on i was about maybe like eight or nine years old we watched because a kid called james in our school brought him in Police Academy 5 Assignment Miami Beach, <laughs> which was bad. Police Academy 5. Yep. We don't, most of us hadn't seen a Police Academy film at that point. No shit, you're nine years old. <laughs> and Mannequin. God. What? What? It, it was... It, the, the early 90s were a different time. Um, but yeah, I was uh, educated in a lot of things. By the Mannequin was the bad. one where... Kim Cattrall comes to life as a real-life mannequin, right? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. And she's a former Most... Egyptian princess. That is what? also correct. Yeah, oh, that's the story. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Night in the Museum. something tying into the fucking mummy or something? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the reincarnation and Imhotep just shows up. <laughs> what the fuck? I think Kim Peele did a Egyptian. really good... Kim Peele did a really good sketch recently about, well, I said recently, it was a while ago, about Gremlins 2 brainstorming. And it it's did. like, uh, who's this studio guy? It's like, oh, it's the, this guy from, um, from Mannequin. And <laughs> he's so 80s, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I don't recommend either Mannequin or Police Academy 5. Feel good or otherwise. The last one on the list is a, another generational one, I think. And in terms of it's, it was one of the earlier ones that showed off this group of people in a very funny, irreverent way, but also in a very heartfelt and sincere way because Tina Fey was working on it so strongly. And that's Mean Girls. And I know so many people who say, if you say, I haven't seen Mean Girls, it's like, why haven't you seen Mean Girls? It's brilliant. Mm. It's like, oh, it's, no, it's a girl's film. It's like, fuck off. Watch that. That seems to be the immediate. I had that experience with an ex-girlfriend uh, of mine. And I have since seen it about a hundred times. Yeah. It's great when we fun. first got together, I'd never seen Mean Girls. <laughs> By the end of the relationship, I'd seen Mean Girls to the point where I can probably quote it word for word. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a really, uh, it's a really unusual one in a lot of ways. And I think it comes down to kind of, uh, again, associations of like when people watched it and stuff like that. And like you say, kind of a really good portrait of a particular age group. Um, mm. and, and a particular generational kind of thing because it's a really like emotionally complex film like it doesn't mm-hmm. really have kind of particularly easy answers to any problems like that uh, you know in the same way that to point at you know the sports films it's like well if i can just win this one thing then yes, everything will be yes. all right there's whereas, a very clear goal in mind with yes. yeah whereas me yeah. girls is like yeah like you just have to kind of 
remember that everyone's going through different stuff and like try and show a bit more empathy and understanding it's like wow that's like quite a lot to kind of take on mm. for you know a film you know even even for for a teen comedy for you know and for a feel good film mm. you, you know you kind of cut, obviously things work out at the end but like you know the main character is a dick for kind of a, a significant portion of it mean girls is basically maturity will catch up with you and when it does you'll all feel better yeah but until then you just have to sort of muscle through it and I was like, to be fair that is the best thing to sell and it's what adults always say to kids mm. in high school it won't matter it'll be all right but it's the most important thing to you in that moment and this is just a way of presenting that in a more relatable fashion mm. saying like kid i know i understand and it's the same thing john hughes sort of did in the 80s like I know this is the most important thing to you, so we'll make it the most important thing full stop. But ultimately, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll probably work out fine. And that's that's sometimes all you need from a feel-good film. Just like someone to say, yeah, yeah, it'll be all right. Don't worry. <laughs> should, we, should we quickly whip through some of our own personal mm. selections? Yeah. Definitely. So I'll kick things off with, as I mentioned, this is going to be one that is very much a nostalgia one for me. And this is a film I've seen millions of times at this point, And I basically know word for word. And... I don't think it's aged well because it has the N-word in it. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling on the collar, yikes kind of moment. But at the time when I was, what, 14 or 15, this is the greatest thing that was invented <laughs> and <laughs> that formed my opinion for the rest of my life, basically. <laughs> I'm talking about Shaun of the Dead. That film is so funny to me. It's so a, a part of my teenage like film viewing experience and things like yeah. that. And I think it is wholly shaped by when I saw it and how old I was when I saw it. Mm. Because if I feel if I saw it as a nearly 30 year old now, I'd be like, Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, that was my exact opinion. Cause it was 2004, five. Yeah. Four. I was, I was, I was 14. So yeah, see, I was go. 20 and I <laughs> enjoyed it. I thought it wasn't as clever as spaced. And I know you shouldn't do these sort of comparisons, but I was like, mm. I saw Shaun of the Dead first, then saw Spaced, I think. Oh, okay. So, there you go. And I thought, yeah, this is, I think that's how I've been with a lot of Edgar Wright stuff. I've been like, yeah, this is, uh, I can see why this is good. I can see why this is enjoyed. Mm. And I do enjoy a lot of Shaun of the Dead, especially, but I had a lot of grumps about it. And the mm. older I get, the more frustrated I get with it. Mm, yeah. I remember, I remember thinking Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright, and Nick Frost are like the three funniest people in the world. <laughs> when I was 14, that's what 14-year-old yeah, Jack thought. Like, oh my God, Edgar Wright is now my favourite director ever. Oh, how times have changed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking hell. And I think that's a very apropos pick for, for us as a group of people as well, because it's the kind of film where not only can you watch it and enjoy it, you can also, uh, and again, this is a very kind of generational thing uh, that people younger, significantly younger than us probably will, would be like, what the fuck are you talking mm. about? You mm. can put on the DVD commentary oh, with yes. everybody just hanging out. With and and Frost, yeah, yeah. yeah. We talked about movie. this in the Thing episode, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, How and, much fun DVD commentaries can be. Exactly. And, and uh, and you know, you get that that kind of parasocial thing of like, you know, I'm just hanging out with all the, the you know, the people. It's like... I'm, I'm best mates with Simon Pegg. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how people feel listening to our own commentaries on yeah. patreon we're like oh exactly, it's like yeah. being, I, th I think it was mike who put a picture up of some kid sitting next to a sign of people who are like like and like ice cream ever have a yeah. great time and you're sitting next to him going hey it's like you're not in the conversation but you feel like you're in the conversation <laughs> oh, yeah. it's how podcasts work in that's a lot podcasts of in general, general isn't yeah. it yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, before we go too far as well shaun the dead is a good example because it speaks to you at a certain age and that never leaves you i think much like that list by the way we just 
real for the public also dictates again about the nature of being vocal because there's not a great deal of diversity to it and even to our own lists not a great deal of diversity to mm. things and i think the truth is sometimes you see yourself like jack 14 year old seeing these people who are like you know in dead end jobs they hate but they're like oh, i just want to play video games that kind of motion in my day you project and see yourself so for example with other people of different ethnicities genders whatever it's going to be you're going to find things like why does this make you feel good because i feel fucking seen in a good way mm. <laughs> and in a strange way Sean of the my dead, people is there those people and yeah yeah it's the, imagine like, it works hey. if you're if you're like, say you're in your first retail job as well, because you're going to yeah, yeah. work in this retail job and stuff. I didn't have a concept of that, but I did have a concept of like, I want to sit around eating Cornettos and playing video games. <laughs> I, I was yeah. 20 when I saw Shaun of the Dead, and at the same time, I first saw Clerks. And Clerks spoke to me a little bit more because it was a bit more gritty, a bit more grungy of what I was trying to do my own filmmaking at the time, which was very, very, very like, you know, camcorder sort of shit. And I thought... Oh, and the same thing. I wouldn't put on my list now because I'm like, oh no, things have changed. <laughs> yeah, like Clerk, Clerks would be pretty high on my list, but yeah. that film has not aged well. Mm. No, Lord. and I think that's fair. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. A, films don't always, you, you do go back and you change and it doesn't because it's a standard, like a time capsule piece. Yeah. But still, I think Shaun of the Dead makes complete sense. And for, without being in any way detrimental or insulting, it makes sense for you as well. Because it How helps describe rude. who you are. <laughs> How very dare you, sir. How about one from you, Matt? Okay, I'll go with... Let's go with the weeby one. The weeaboo one. So I had a lot of thoughts about Jurassic Park and Shawshank Redemption and all sorts of things. And I, my two picks are a bit of a weird one because the nature of feel good, neither of them really have a happy ending. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's... Going against what I just fucking said in the whole description. Um, so it's a very ambiguous ending to this one, which I won't spoil because I genuinely think people should go and watch it. It is a 2016 film, did come out until 2017 in Britain, uh, by uh, Makoto Shinkai called Your Name. And Your Name was fucking huge when it came out. Not really in Japan, but uh, sorry, not really outside of Japan, I should say. Yeah. Um, because it, it won a bunch of awards and stuff. It was it winning like best crazy. animation of the year and, and like critics things. It was like yeah. fourth highest grossing film of all time at the time and the highest right. grossing animated film of all time in Japan and all this kind Spirited of Spirited Away is shit. still Japan's most successful film in that regard. Mm. This one is just behind it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It won, it, it made 10% of all the year's box office. Holy shit. <laughs> what in, in what does that even mean? That's insane. But I can completely understand why. Because two factors. So first of all, it's a semi-fantasy story, and it's mm. so very simple. It's based on these things. Always based on a light novel somewhere in Japan, and it's about a girl called Mitsu, uh, Mitsuha, and she lives in Itomori, a sort of regional, sort of uh, a rural area, and a boy called Taki who lives in Tokyo. And they're both teenagers, disenfranchised with their own lives, and frustrated, bits and pieces, and blah blah blah. And randomly, no explanation, they switch bodies but they don't know anything about each other. And they do the classic vice versa, Freaky Friday kind of thing of just like, I'll just carry on then. <laughs> and there's a scene where they're like, um, you know, it doesn't translate at all. But when Tucky is with his friends, he's got this part-time job in Tokyo and he's at school and he's like, Watashiwa. And they go, huh? Watashiwa? Huh? Orewa? Which are all ways of saying, I am. Um, and they're like, wait, what? And the equivalent is basically saying like, I'm, I am 
me it's like, it's yo. like local dialects right it like, is entirely yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like just you know and the, the the his friends are like the fuck are you doing and she's obviously in his body just sort of piloting as it were just like um uh do you mean i don't know what we say here <laughs> and it's that kind of thing but equally at the same time it's teenage bodies it's like okay i will not do anything i will not do anything it's fine and then it cuts to the, the girl's sister coming to the room and she's just like groping her why are you touching your boobs <laughs> He's like, leave me alone. Um, but then, and so it's a very simple story to start with. And they like write little notes to each other. It's like, well, you, were, you did my schoolwork? What the fuck is wrong with this? Like, you need to tidy up your writing. That kind of shit. And they're having a little playful. It gets very deep very quickly. And then they find out that uh, they're going to find, go and see each other. She says, oh, you should come to Tokyo. I, like, I will. I will meet each other. It'd be brilliant. Because they can't control when they go back and forth. And then for some reason, they just don't meet up. And it's like, I don't understand. And then... He goes to her town and finds out it was completely wiped out when an asteroid hit and they're all dead. And it's like, wait, wait, what? And then you realize there's actually a time dilation. They're separated by three years. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I need to save and, her. I need to tell her. And there's that amazing moment where they stand on the ridge of the asteroid crater, mm. like in front of each other and they communicate. And then one oh, of them the slowly fades and yeah. it's realized like that's the time jump moment. It like, is... Oh. And, and this is the key thing. It's beautifully stole storytelling and beautifully taught story in, in general. Also has that Japanese repression of, I just want to say I love you, but I can't. So it's that frustration, like like the fucking red shoes or something like that. It's you just want to urge, like, just for God's sake, say it. But at the same time, and the other thing about the nature of it being beautiful, this the animation is absolutely mm. gut-punchingly fucking stunning. It is genuinely gorgeous. And I think that carries it infinitely so for me it's a feel-good film not because of the because it's a, it's a very emotionally charged film um it, it's it's I, I think it's very much designed to make you cry more than it's make you make you laugh or, or or smile and the ending as well is like so oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck i don't i don't know what this means oh please please that kind of situation where you're just urging a center closure and then credits and you're like fuck but i think and this will be a pattern for me. I think the craft makes me feel good. The level yeah. of work that's gone into it, the degree of skill on display, it makes me feel good because it shows me the medium that cinema can be and what films can be to tell stories. So I think that to me is a real swell in my chest sort of moment of like, yes, this is the kind of art. Sometimes like, oh, I'm kind of maybe getting into like animated films. Shall I watch like a picture? Like, shut up, shut up, shut up. What's your name? And that's a bit of a hype <laughs> thing. Because obviously I'd say maybe like, you know, there are better films technically, but it's like, no, no, no. This is some of the most beautiful stuff I've ever seen. It's like, it animates rain perfectly. I love it. That kind of thing. So that, that would be my, my, my first pick. Tim. So my first pick is very much one where I associate it with a particular moment of my life which is forgetting sarah marshall Mm. which i watched i I wouldn't say it it wasn't like i watched it on loop or anything like that i didn't get that obsessive Mm. but i watched it quite a lot after a uh a significant breakup and it's a kind of film it's not it's not one of my favorite films but it fits Mm. into a model that a lot of my favorite films do which is there's no real bad guys in it yes that's fair it's just, there's just people. There's just there's just people, um, you know, and some of them are more kind of assholey than others. But you can kind of understand where everyone's coming from uh, emotionally. Obviously, it's a very funny film. Like you've got mm. Jason Segel, you've got Paul Rudd, you've got Mila puppets. Kunis, and yeah, you've got you, it's got puppets in it. It's got full <laughs> frontal male nudity. What more do you want? 
both of my picks are very much those kind of, you know, and we talked about how s- for some people they want the emotional roller coaster, they want the lows that then end on the highs. Whereas my picks are very much just like, I kind of just want to slip into a comfortable bath of a film. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Not necessarily have to think a great deal about it. And it can, not, not that I want it as something that is just on in the background and I'm, you know, on my phone kind of thing. I want something that engages me, but I I want something that... And again, it's kind of a little bit of an escapism where it's like, you know, the problems the people in these films face aren't like huge earth-shaking films, <coughs> uh, mm-hmm. aren't huge earth-shaking problems. You know, it's it's it would be nice to kind of escape into that world where things are a little bit easier, you know, and you can just take off to Hawaii uh, to try and solve your problems and yeah. Bill Hader's your stepbrother and it's, it's you know, it's great. <laughs> um, uh, and, yeah, it's, it's just a film that I have um, a lot of associations of just kind of like watching it and just being like, yeah, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I think, I think that is sometimes that reassurance is... Is all that matters. Complete sidetrack here. Pseudo sequel spin off. Get into the Greek. I kind of prefer that to creating Sarah Marshall personally. I wow. don't know why, but I do. As just as a structural I've not film. seen the second one. I, I think I've only seen that once and I don't yeah. really remember it. So that's fair. Uh, for getting Sarah Marshall, I, I, I completely see again where you're coming from. I mm. think it's the a film finds you at the right moment and you're like, you'll be with me for a very long time now. Mm. My second pick is one of my favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm. It's a film I think I mentioned a few times on the show before and it's probably my most rewatched film since it came out because it's very recent it's only a couple of years old mm. talk about my absolute jam which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse I mean we talk about diversity and being seen and stuff this is a very important movie for a lot especially of for me as a nearly 30 yeah. year old white guy <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> I'm sure it has a similar and even way more impactful sure, of you course, know, course. effect on, on certain younger viewers and, and certain people. Seeing Miles Morales finally represented and seeing Spider-Gwen finally represented as a guy who did a Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales podcast for a couple mm. of years, <laughs> that was a huge moment for me. And the, the fact that we, we kind of stopped the podcast before this film came out absolutely just broke my heart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that would have been a nice little like victory lap. But seeing two of my favourite comic book characters on screen together, yeah, no less, in, in the same time, and it just being, speaking of your name, like one of the best-looking films I've ever yeah. seen. It has more style than probably anything I've ever seen. You've always got the different Spider characters with their different specific art styles, as mm. well as the incredible like soundtrack-influenced Miles bouncing around the city and mm. all this kind of stuff. And just like, yeah, it's, it's incredible to look at the acting and soundtracks of both absolutely phenomenal and it's a brilliant kind of origin story for one of my favorite comic book characters and does an amazing job of introducing other characters that feel like they would need an origin story but then they literally make that joke and they're like nope here's 10 seconds <laughs> and then you get john mulaney as spider ham and i'm a happy boy <coughs> <laughs> I, I love that film and it just yeah it has its tragic moments don't go wrong like oh yeah spoiler, spoiler alert Spider-Man dies in it, yeah. but mm. there's other Spider-Men, so everything's fine. <laughs> well, there's also familial stuff as well, like in terms of like you know the the family dynamic, and you know with with oh with Jefferson not, and Aaron, and yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's not a cakewalk, but that's kind of the point. It's not meant. It's a tragedy and overcoming it sort of thing, but also 
growing and learning and blah, 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 as well as the, the high school thing as well on top of all that shit. I completely understand that one. And if you if you want to isolate just down to feel good moments, like it is hard to beat the what's up danger moment in that film. Yeah, oh, like absolutely. that is a real like just <laughs> pump the air moment. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, the crafting on display is is astounding. And as you say about the, if you you know not just the narrative, not just the wish fulfillment or the superior side of it, or there's the fun aspect of how it's shot, but the 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 innovation the ingenuity that went into the animation mm. genius just like well in a film you'd have this you'd have like just you know it'd be out of focus how do we do this on a 2d background with this 3d thing it's like well we've gone for a very pop arty sort of style we'll just you know do a lens aberration we'll do all these kind of things we we'll separate the backgrounds like wait what and if you look at the things that the the level they've done into the like you know, oh, we'll just take the two layers and separate them slightly. Like mm. what? Mm. That's, that's that's mad genius. How did we never think of doing this? The attention um, to detail is insane. Yeah, in a yeah. hundred years of movie making, it's yeah. That, that so I can understand even on that level why it would make you feel good about yourself or films or anything. <laughs> yeah. My second choice is animated again. I got two animated films. Nice. This one is by uh, director Tom Moore. <laughs> Well, that's where you're wrong, Tim. <laughs> this time, I'm going Irish as fuck. Um, <laughs> no, uh, this is a Tom Moore film. Tom Moore's done two films, um, Secret of the Kells and Song of the Sea. Uh, the latter is one I'm actually picking for this particular thing. Um, and both received Oscar nominations for Best Animated Feature, which I think is just an amazing fucking achievement. Um, so, yeah, the Irish film industry unlike the British film industry, is mostly uh, a bit of a collaborative thing. So what you'll say is, oh, it's an Irish film, with funding and support from Belgium, Denmark, France, and Luxembourg. Because um, <laughs> that's how the film industry works. We talk about like you know the, the infinite amount of money that uh, Your Name made and the, the huge accolades of like Spider-Man. This one's just very modest. Mm. But it is... It's brilliant. It's so good. Song of the Sea is the story about a guy, a boy, sorry, who lives in West Ireland, and it it does the Disney thing. It starts on utter fucking tragedy. Brendan Gleeson plays Connor, a lighthouse keeper, and he lives on a little island with his son Ben and his 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 daughter Saoirse. Uh, but he has a wife named Brona, and she disappears basically one night, and all that's left is this little girl Saoirse. And it's this beautiful moment of of animation where where the little boy. Ben is so confused and he the, the dad just quietly says this is this is your sister meet Saoirse and it's like what's happening and where the fuck is my mum and so there's this you know and, and what's happened is that you jump ahead to he's like a little boy he must be like 11 12 years old and the dad is just broken Saoirse just doesn't talk and Ben is a hostile little boy who lashes out at everything, obviously. He's, he's a nice kid, but you know, yeah. Anyway, the, the, the grand decides that they shouldn't be living in, in the west of Ireland. It's very dangerous. So she takes him all the way to Dublin to the city and he doesn't like it. And so he does his homeward bound thing and just runs off home. Mm. The paranormal thing comes in because it, does, it deals with so much Irish folklore and legend. Because when they escape the granny's house, they meet these fairies... Uh, the Dean and she, and they believe that 
a seer shit is a soul key, which is basically a seal. and A wear seal. A, a magical yeah. folklore seal. Yeah. You, you might recognise it from Fantastic Beasts. In fact, they have a weird fucked up version of a soul key in that. Yeah, I don't know. Made like out version. of seaweed? I don't like that version. Uh, I, I like the interesting version that Under the Skin is about that. It's not just an alien, it's a soul key that uh, Scarlet Chance is playing, but we'll get to him. Not a feel-good movie. No, that's fair. That nothing about that movie is feel-good. Under like the Skin, movie. not a feel-good no. movie. Um, so the fairies believe that um, that the Selkie can sing a song and take them all back to Tirnanog. Um, so the idea that all the fairies are being turned to stone because they're in this world, but the Selkie singing will actually bring them back, but she's a mute, obviously. Something. So this boy who resents his sister has to take her home and things protect her and stuff like that, and there's a big old fucking owl witch who steals it. It's just... It's the kind of thing that would be a, a, like how a lot of people see never-ending story, I imagine. There's so much hyper... Or even like you know, like Dark Crystal, something like that. They know like a Henson production. Mm. There's so much weird, dark Celtic mythology going on, but it's a, a story of a of a boy trying to protect his sister. And spoilers, I guess, she does sing the song and release all the all the spirits and things, including this giant and so on and so forth. And the song is beautiful. I mean, Jack mentioned about musical cues evoking certain emotions. It is wonderful because the animation's beautiful. Full stop. The songs are really good. They're very, very Irish. It's a very, very uh, specific style and things. A bit of Celtic trad going on there. But um, it's it's just crushingly nice. And there's scenes with Shanaki telling a story and things like that. And it's it's all it's all things that I know basically. And and without being incredibly like, oh, I see where you got this map. There's like it's clearly West Ireland. It's clearly like Sligo, uh, where my family's from. And there's like you'd see a Ben Bulb in the mountain <laughs> in the background going. Ha, 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 um, but um, but it is it's just crushingly good and the thing is it's a beautiful film much in the same way that obviously I have no connection to Japanese culture in that way but I can still understand all the things about Mitsuha being a, a, a shrine maiden what she does for her stuff and the, you know all the, all the cultural aspects the same thing here you don't have to be Irish to appreciate this movie it's also a very unique artistic style carried out from The Secret of Kells where it looks like I don't know how to describe it really, but it's a hyper stylized thing. It's like, how can you imagine describing all Celtic art into these, even the way the people are presenting these, these immensely interesting curves and spirals and things like that. It's, it's, it's just very unique in its, in its art style. So again, my, me liking the craft, for example. Um, but yeah, it's just a touchingly simple story. And, but with a little bit of sort of interesting mysticism and, and paranormal sort of stuff about the idea of, connecting with family, et cetera, et cetera. The base notes are really easy to, to, to sort of get with because it's, it's just a, you know, it's a family film in that regard. But yeah, I like it a lot and I think it's massively underrated. I think, as always, if, you, if any of the films we discussed on our personal list you haven't seen, go watch a trailer because I think all the trailers for mm. these will, will be quite representative, shall we say. And you'd, you'd understand roughly what we're talking about. Like, oh, I see. Spider-Man has that really banging sort of soundtrack and it matches it up perfectly with the visuals mm. and the irreverent jokes and things in forgetting sarah marshall and just the art style of your name in song of the sea for example you can see that very quickly and get a, get a snapshot idea of it but yeah i love it that's all you need to know makes me feel good it's very high on my to watch list i've been to watch it for a while yeah, mm. yeah i need to get around to that mm. again i don't think it necessarily ends very well in, you know, in the sense that not it's many like, things do in ireland matthew I don't <laughs> know that. that's 
painfully accurate. It's like, <laughs> sing an upbeat song, and now we're going to stop for a minute and have a song about an old lady singing about the troubles. Um, but no, it's it's a, it's it's the classic, like, oh, I can't wait for this to have a great happy ending. It's like, you do know where this is going, right? It's like, yeah, it's going to... No, 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 I don't... No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready. That kind of shit. That's the, but the way that kind of makes me... Sorrow makes me feel good. <laughs> it mean, reminds me of my life. So, Tim, what's your sorrowful finale? <laughs> my somber, muted finale uh, is a dumb as shit action film. <laughs> uh, I, I, I genuinely actually love this film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my final pick is uh, Welcome to the Jungle, a.k.a. The Rundown for American uh, viewers. <laughs> the Rundown. Fuck off. What a terrible title. Which is, uh, for people who are unfamiliar, it is basically, it's kind of The Rock's first proper starring role as an action hero. Yeah, essentially. Um, he'd been in films before. Did you not see The Scorpion King? Uh, I was going to say, yeah, he probably, Scorpion King probably predates it. But this... Uh, Might do. This, uh, like, this film literally starts an- with Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of passing the torch to him. Like, there's an, uh, yeah. a moment where the literally. two actors walk yeah. past each other and Schwarzenegger looks at him and says, has fun. Um, and... And it's Have fun being the action star of the 2000s. Yeah, I will, yeah. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's The Rock as, um, I forget what the kind of uh, euphemism they use is, but he's basically like a, a kind of uh, a bounty hunter for a kind of crime lord uh, type The, the guy. euphemism they use is retrieval expert. There we I go. Think yeah. He's kind of a, yeah, bounty hunter kind of specialised henchman. Boy. Yeah. Uh, who goes down to South America to retrieve the son of this crime boss who is played by Sean William Scott, the son, not the crime boss, <laughs> <laughs> and gets involved with a uh, a rebellion, uh, a rebel movement against a uh, a gold mining tyrant down there, played by Christopher Walken. Um, so good. Played wonderfully by Christopher Walken. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. so quotable, so um, ridiculous. And it's it's. I mean, it's just a ridiculous action film, but it's a very well crafted action film. Uh, Peter Berg directs it, um, and mm. it's the characters are are kind of all incredibly likable. The action is very polished um, and well staged. Again, it is the kind of film that I can kind of I can put on and I will always enjoy it. But uh, it, it's it's certainly not what you would just call a challenging film. <laughs> but it, it it's something that I will it will never fail to put a smile on my face. Like if I've had a kind of shitty day and I'm like, oh, I just you know I want something to kind of take my mind off of stuff and I want to know that I'll enjoy it and I don't want to spend twenty minutes browsing through Netflix menu, like <laughs> trying to work out what yeah. I want, to, like, oh, do I want to watch something that I haven't seen before? And I think, you know, it's going to take some kind of cognitive load to it. It's like, no, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to stick on Welcome to the Jungle and I'm just going to watch The Rock beat ass and I'm going to watch Sean William Scott be kind of funny and get his ass beat, get, get his ass handed to him when he's being like, uh, it's, it's, it's that very, uh, you know, I, I find him funny in small doses, and it's good to know that in this film, whenever he gets out of line, The Rock will just kind of, like, beat his ass. Literally. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and, and it's it's just... Uh, it's a very kind of pure popcorn enjoyment for me. Um, and uh, I think sometimes uh, you just want that 
uncomplicated and and uh, I realised you know going back to the start I was kind of like who the fuck picks Deadpool as their feel good movie and a lot of people <sighs> might be like who the fuck picks Welcome to the Jungle as their feel good movie well, that was my reaction when you picked it <laughs> yeah. I was like wait 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 hold on hold, whoa 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 <laughs> you do mean the one with the rock from the mid 2000s right <laughs> and like, yeah I was like the one with Sean William Scott because I always forget, I saw this and is it Walking Tall? Yes. Oh, yeah. The one he did, and they did them within like a year of each other. Mm, and he was on a roll. They yeah. are just the same film in my brain sometimes. Yeah, Walking Tall has Johnny, fucking not. Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville, yes. Uh, and yes. it's based on a true story of like a real arsehole of a guy. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, yes, whereas, it is. Whereas this... It's a remake of a 70s film as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, whereas... I think everything you need to know about Tim in terms of his previous pictures and things, can sometimes be summed up in Welcome to the Jungle, um, where there are the moments, like, for example, where... Um, don't give me that look, Jack. Oh, wait, where the sense. fuck are you going with this, Dogden? There'll, there'll be sentences that Tim makes and you can think, ah, Welcome to the Jungle, because there'll be things like <laughs> the signposting where you've got, like, the rock saying, I don't use guns. And then, oh, oh, oh why is that? If I do, bad things happen. And everyone goes like, all oh, right, what the fuck ever. And I know inside Tim's thinking, oh, I can't <laughs> wait to see him use guns and wreck shop. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> He's telling what's going to happen. And the bad guy is it, partly reliable, but so entertaining and how ridiculously wonderful he is. And Rosario Dawson is a fantastic uh, female support because she's so competent in it. And it's satisfying and uplifting. And I, I, I think, yeah, it's one of those things that, Personality-wise, you go, yeah, I can see why Tim likes this. Yeah, just there's, there's, I, I think every film should have a bit where you and Bremner marches into town and plays the bagpipes, quotes poetry, and then unleashes a bull stampede. Yeah, <laughs> bring me a Scotsman playing an Irishman. My <laughs> horn, I never love her. It's like, it's like, I, I mean, I, I was amazed it wasn't subtitled. Yeah. Not because I, again, it's because it, it's, it's like. Bremner being, being being obviously uh, Scottish, and then having the the very very strong Northern Ireland accent. Is he quoting like Bible verse or some shit like that? I feel like he might be like, yeah. I heard that sound of an angel laying on the bells, and you shall know the retro. And then he does end it with a boom shakalaka. Yeah. So obviously he's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I, again, I think, and again, the musical cues are really fun and silly. I think it's 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 the uh, it's the a really good time capsule piece as well of. 9-11 has happened. Everything is kind of fucked up in America. They want distraction. They want to feel good. They want something that's simple. American goes in, does the stuff, punches a bad guy, shoots a load of guns, gets out, goes and builds his restaurant because he just wants to settle down. And it's not yet got to the financial crisis. We can have that <laughs> kind of, fuck it, this seems quite fun, kind of storytelling. You know, there's, there's a the market for it before a couple of years later, the road comes out. Yeah. Um, we're like, oh, our future. <laughs> So yes, again, I think I think as you said, Tim, with Deadpool and 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 actually as Jack said, with the action comedy thing, it's the what action comedy speaks to you, mm. and I think there's something you can go like, ah, oh, I kind of, I kind of don't have the head to watch a really fucking shitty sequel that I need to reach research for the for the next season, and I kind of don't want to watch this highbrow film that I know I really should watch and I really enjoy. I, I kind of want to watch basically good trash. Mm. And this seems fun. I'll go with yep. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, uh, the the um, inner raccoon in me uh, is is always just looking for kind of quality trash. <laughs> <laughs> 
just like oh yeah like this 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 is a really good bit of like discarded chicken bone <laughs> what a beautiful morsel of shit yeah <laughs> i mean in the same way some things that make people feel good i mean i go in the before times the long long ago before when the heidi high scrapers i would go around to stuart's house stuart ashen and we watch films they're all they're all dead to us now there's no films anymore no but um we go with my wife and his girlfriend and a few friends and we, we, we'd watch basically the worst fucking films we can <laughs> um and uh, I, mean, I always bring like neil breen for example his his movies because we watch those things and we have a good time watching them we feel good mostly because a lot of us are creatives and think well thank fuck we don't make this god awful yeah. shit <laughs> but equally because it's so so trashy like robot jocks and stuff like that mm. it's, it's so much like crap that you can go i mean the same way people like I actually disagree with this particular example, but people like The Room, for example, mm. um, you can have a great time, feel good watching it because it's so stupid and mm. so dumb, even though nothing about that film is trying to be funny. It's trying to be serious. When, when we were talking, when we mentioned earlier about the, you guys, the nightmare of going to kind of a sing-along showing or whatever, oh. I went to a, like, a room viewing a, a cinema where everyone oh, was just right. like yeah, yeah. yelling out at the screen and was that cinema city it was yeah. yeah i was there with you yes but not next to you i was in the same room yes yeah. <laughs> um, throwing spoons and throwing shit. spoons and like every time there's a panning shot of the golden gate bridge everyone yells out meanwhile in san francisco, in san francisco. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and the thing is that kind of thing can heighten the experience because i've seen the room and i hated it mm. and i didn't understand the appeal because like why do people enjoy this piece of shit in that kind of collective environment, I kind of got the 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 theatre of it, mm. but I would never want to go see it ever again. <laughs> Seeing it like that once, it was like, oh, that was an experience that I don't particularly want to ever have with any film I'd actually enjoy seeing. Uh, oh, uh, Tim, was that the film that was introduced by Graham Linehan? By yes, uh, terrible, terrible turf, mm. uh, Graham Linehan. Yeah. yeah, different times, different times. Yeah. So yeah, feel good movies again. Very hard to actually classify when you break it down because what should be, I mean, any reductive statement like if you could imagine like a a talk show host or a early morning, you know, good morning, Britain, good morning, America. I think it's like, Oh, it's a real good feel good movie. It's like, right. Do, what are you talking about? But for, for uncomplicated purposes, it's a kind of classification that people can actually genuinely latch onto because very few people don't want to feel good at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> people like only, to feel nice. Yeah. The only real genuine, um, how can you put this? Um, unabashed feel-good movies are like a porn mm. um it's like we're gonna make you feel good literally it's like oh i'm i must just feel uncomfortable and i'm questioning all my life choices um, <laughs> but i i think it's a very difficult one but at the end of the day a bit of pondering you can come up with some arguments and it, it's so easy to say as we've said even at the start is once why we want to put the public forum and just saying things like people pick this people are fucking idiots why would you pick that and then it's like you know action comedies and films that haven't aged too well and films with sad endings you're like okay okay yeah i mean i mean obviously everyone's got an exception to the rule because that's just that's just the nature of it so we would be very interested to hear your own personal thoughts and mm. examples i think people are going to have some really interesting ones i think there's going to be lots of ones that people saying oh i just i absolutely adore insert film here it's like that's a classic tragedy what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> yeah but it's it it made me feel something and i feel good about that so, all right, fine. <laughs> I saw it at the right time in my life, that kind of thing. Yes. And I think a lot of the, just the ones where you're just like, huh, really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be the elevation of things that are very, very niche mm. that's going to surprise most people. It's like, 
Really? I've never heard of that film before. Oh, it's 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 terrible. Yeah. But I like it. Yeah. Oh, okay, fine, yeah. <laughs> so with that in mind, get in touch. Hit us up on social media. We are sequelizers on basically everything, so there's no excuse. If you can see the title of the episode, you can find us on social media. Easy. It's also sequelizers at gmail.com is the email address if you want to send longer form things. We'll have a Q&A episode coming up, so feel free to send in some questions if you want us to answer them on the show. That's another way of getting in contact with us. And you can also get us on the Discord, which you can find pinned at the top of our Twitter profile, or you can go to sequelizers.com and follow the link at the top of the page and uh, get access there and come and have a chat with us about various films, latest episodes, If you want to get weeby with Matt and talk about anime, you can do that. (laughs) If you want to get music recommendations, you can talk about video games, you can talk about lots of political discussion. (laughs) That's the most popular Probably the most active channel of the whole thing is the politics page, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a really good community. We won't bite, we promise. It's very nice and friendly and everybody's, uh, yeah, everybody's really cool. So if you want to come and speak to the three of us and meet some fellow listeners and hang out with them as well, Come and join the Discord. It's a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, if you feel like throwing us a few uh, dollar pounds to support feel us... Feel good monies, if you will. So, yeah, if, if we've made you feel good enough to spend some money on us, there's a couple of ways you can support us. You can go to sequelizers.com and uh, go to our store where we have T-shirts and prints uh, by the amazing John Scarrett available to buy mm. that, uh, yeah, that will look wonderful up on your wall. Uh, They'll make you feel... Good. Yes. Good. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash sequelizers where uh, you can support us at various different levels and get access to benefits like uh, things like ad-free episodes, which uh, we're in the interseason, so that doesn't really apply at the moment. But once we're back into a regular <laughs> season, ad-free episodes, uh, you can get early access to episodes. You can vote on topics uh, uh, every season. You can get access to our wealth of additional content bonus episodes bonus uh, outtakes and just all kinds of varieties of nonsense you mentioned some movie commentaries as well we've some, done, a, yeah, we've done a handful of those as well um, there'll be whole episodes as well because we're in the interseason stuff so there'll be like extra additional discussions about other things yep. exactly so yeah so um, we appreciate all of our patrons if you feel like you can afford to support us then we uh, would deeply deeply appreciate you as well and speaking of patrons I'd like to thank the lovely and delightful executive producers, Jonathan Firth-Clark, Stuart Main, and last but not least, Mike Salvia. So yeah, that pretty much wraps up for this week. We'll be back next week with more interseason goodness. See you then. Thanks for listening. Feel good, feel good. <laughs> 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 <laughs>